Welcome back and welcome to our storytelling conversation, which we call The Backstory. Our guest is Andy Davis. Andy, welcome and thank you so much for your story. Uh, and it has been a while since you've been on our stage, virtual or otherwise. And I have been so looking forward to hearing your story and having our conversation. So a special welcome to you. This is, we're going to have fun here. Well, thank um, you, David. And I want to plunge right in. Uh, in your email to me, you mentioned Simon Brooks' podcast, Conversations with Storytellers, which I confess I was not aware of. An excellent podcast, and we'll figure out a way to post a link to it. And as you noted in your email towards the end of his conversation with storyteller Megan Wells, Simon asks her, how do you do it? And she says, as you noted, I'm just really in love with the power of words to create reality. It's the breath of what some people call God. Our words and the way we use them heal or hinder people. And I have this sacred feeling like a sacred duty to the story to make it as truthful and alive as possible without a whole lot of Megan in it. I really try to get Megan out of the way, but Megan, what Megan is, is my instrument. So thank you for sharing that quote with me and, and the conversations with storytellers. And I wanna start there and plunge right in by asking you, what do you make of Megan's statement, particularly the notion of getting the storyteller out of the way? When we do workshops, Amy or Pat or I or others, uh, Nina, and when I'm being coached on storytelling, what people often say is you need to put more of yourself into the story. So as you said in your email, it's kind of paradoxical. So what do you make of that? I guess for me, it's, uh, it's largely about motivations um, because I think some people who have chosen in one way or another to be performers, it's, um, it's because there's some need in us for attention or for the spotlight. And on the one hand, that gives us the courage to get in front of people. And on the other hand, it means that uh, sometimes we're a little, uh, possibly we will make choices in stories or whatever that uh, because we want people to think that we're clever or smart or something. And so one of the ways I've thought about it recently, um, my wife Andrea and I were reading um, the uh, Donald Hall's book, The Best Day, The Worst Day, about his life with Jane Kenyon. And there was a chapter called The Third Thing. And he talked about um, when people are in love, they look, they spend a certain amount of time looking into each other's eyes. But if it's to last, they also have to be, their, their gazes have to be entwining as they look together at a third thing. And I think it's true for an audience and a performer also that we need to be pointing to something else, um, pointing to um, values that we hope that the audience will share, or it's it's an act after all of co-creation, even if in the personal story realm, 
we're telling personal stories, we're still asking for the audience to join in the act of co-creation of creating these images in their minds. So we have a tremendous responsibility to be doing it for the right reasons. But it is, as you said in your email to me, it is kind of paradoxical because the way we get to this sort of larger perspective looking in the same direction together is, as Megan Wells says, it's through the instrument of ourselves. So it's just just a funny way of thinking about it that we need to get make ourselves vulnerable. And is that part of the getting out of the way? I mean, I think authentic storytelling requires vulnerability. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I think um, I think that's true. I mean, when we think of the personal stories that uh, that speak to us, um, whether uh, whether they're humorous stories or deep stories, we uh, we respond when people get vulnerable by talking about uh, possibly their own weaknesses or shortcomings, like Jackson's fear of jumping into the cold water or, or Mio's pettiness regarding her lover, <laughs> Trader Joe. Um, in, in, in all seriousness, I, I think, you know, we respond to storytellers who tell us, even if it's just silly things about themselves, rather than, I mean, if somebody just gets up in front of you and tells you um, how splendid they are in every way, they're they're not going to hold your attention very long. Right. There's no, there are no stakes there. There's nothing at stake for the, for the teller and therefore for the audience. Um, I do think that, Andy, that sometimes we, there's a sort of a false, I think it's false pressure or press to make stories funny, to make sure that they have a funny ending. And I don't think that's necessarily the case that authentic storytelling can be funny and deep at the same time, but just funny is not the point. We need to send, that's where the stakes come in, the vulnerability. Well, so um, a few, Years ago, I had the opportunity to see a mass mouth. A mass mouth is the um, former story, uh, personal storytelling series in the Boston area. And uh, so my do- my then 20-year-old daughter, Fiona, and I, um, well, first of all, I, she goes to Tufts, and I was down there visiting. And I said, um, you know, if you're going to have to study during my visit, you should do it Tuesday night because I'm going to go into this storytelling thing. You're probably not going to want to go. And she said, oh, good. I good. You got me a ticket. So we ended up going to the semifinals um, the, of the, you know, the Mass Mouth Grand Slam. And uh, afterward, we were talking about the stories and she was saying, I just have no patience, Dad, for stories that that aren't deep, that don't have a you know a deeper purpose. And I said that's fair enough. But at that point, I was talking, I was working on a true anecdote. I don't think I've told it at True Tales. Maybe I have, 
The dog humping story, have I told that one? The Agonqua dog humping story, Amy's nodding. Yeah, well, anyway, especially because at the time I hadn't found the deeper meaning of it. I said, Fiona, listen, if anybody ever saw me just tell the dog humping story, the story I'm working on right now, they'd say, that Andy Davis, he's a lightweight. I'm not going to listen to him. But when you're putting together um, sets of multiple stories, um, you you can, I mean, for me, I don't want to be known by one dog humping story, but a dog humping story might be the story that gets people's attention and draws them in at the beginning. And then when they're with me in the middle of the set, I can tell something that's a little deeper, that's more of a lean back sort of story. So um, before anything else, of course, storytelling has to be entertaining. And uh, humor is a big part of that. Um, so, so it does have its purpose. But uh, yeah, I agree with you that that can't be all we do. I want to shift to your work as a co-director of the uh, World Fellowship Center, from which I take it you've recently retired. And I'm a retired Unitarian Universalist minister. And I don't know that you use the word ministry but I regard what you do, what you've done as a form of ministry, community-based ministry. And of course, uh, from the beginning of time, religions have been, had storytelling as a major center of the way they discuss and, and uh, visualize spirituality. So I wanted just to have your thoughts about relationship between religion or spirituality and storytelling and, and in terms of your work? Well, I, I, I guess a little story about a, a development that happened this summer. So yeah, we finished up this job on December 31st. So this past summer was our second COVID summer. Um, the first summer we weren't open at all. And this, this um, past summer, we were open kind of at half capacity. And because we weren't really sure what was going to happen, we limited the amount of programming we, we did. Under ordinary circumstances, we would have a speaker every day on a subject of political import, what's going on in the world and so forth. And we only did that like three days a week this summer. So we had a lot more unscheduled time and we ended up taking it up with campfires in which we invited everyone who was there and circles with semi-guided discussions on the lawn. And it was really super meaningful. And, you know, it ended up leading to more storytelling, more music, more people just sharing informally what's important to them and so forth. So. For me, it was a big lesson about just leaving. I think this goes for our personal lives, but also, um, you know, when we are in community spaces, to have certain times and spaces that are unstructured so that those magical moments when we come together and informally entertain each other are possible. I don't know if that answers your question, but. Well, I'm not sure there's an answer to my question. Um, 
I regard the work you do as a form of community-based ministry, whether you call it that or not. And I do think that storytelling is part and parcel of the work that you do. Uh, so. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing that I think we will miss the most about the job that Andrea and I just left is the sort of, as you're suggesting, the pastoral aspect of it. Even though it's a um, secular place, um, it, 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 it involves, um, you know, so much about um, caring for each other as in, in knowing each other and knowing these people who come back year after year and responding to their needs and so forth. And uh, yeah, so that was a super special part of what we, what we did. Amy mentioned that you have some upcoming projects, and please uh, put that in the chat if you have something that's going to be coming up fairly soon or even in the future. But, our, but my last question to you for tonight is the same question that I always ask. Part of our mission is to encourage new storytellers or almost new storytellers to try to bring people into the storytelling realm. So what advice would you offer to new or almost new storytellers who are just getting started? I, 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 I would say um, to, uh, to all, just always be working on something. And one, I've, over COVID, I've been listening to some, um, I, I've been listening to different sort of creative podcasts, including one called The Working Songwriter and, and, and a couple other music related ones. And so it's come to me that often when we perform as storytellers, um, I at least am very eager to have a really, uh, I, I want everything that I do to be sort of part of my greatest hits. And that, and that's just not realistic and it's not, it stifles the creative process. Whereas songwriters, you know, there's these songwriter groups where they're, you know, coming together once a week or something with a new song and they issue challenges to each other and they're coming up with new songs all the time, maybe 20% um, of that which will eventually see the light of day and become part of their repertoires. So I guess what I would challenge us is to be a little bit less precious about our work and, and take more chances and just be writing and working on stories all the time. And so I've I've done a little more of that, just taking taking a chance on stories and putting effort into stories that then I sort of shelve and say, you know, I might take pieces of that apart like an old car to put together a new vehicle in the future, but until then it'll sit on the shelf. Well, thank you. And friends, this brings us to the end of our conversation. Thank you, Andy, so much for our backstory conversation and for your story. And this brings us to the end of our show. Thanks to our True Tales Live team whose names appear on the scroll. Um, Thanks also <clears throat> uh, to everyone who's here in the audience.
To keep up to date with True Tales Live, you can do so on our website, our Facebook page, and our e-newsletter, True Tales Times, which you can sign up for on our website. As Amy mentioned, our next show is Tuesday, February 22nd, with Tom Osper, our featured reader, or teller, and our next workshop is next week, Tuesday, February 4th at 7 o'clock. If you are thinking of telling a story, we strongly encourage you to, to attend a workshop. They're free, and the Zoom sign-up is on our website. Also on our website are our themes for 2022. Take a look at them. See if there's one or more that inspires a new story in you. Edited by John Lovering, our show will be posted on PPM TV's YouTube channel, will be posted on SoundCloud, and will be broadcast on Channel 98 in Portsmouth. Tell your friends to look for it. And please encourage your friends to sign up for our newsletter. It's a great way to keep in touch. Megan Wells tells this story on herself. Almost accidentally some years ago, she found herself at the Storytelling Festival in Jonesboro, Tennessee. At the end of the weekend, she spotted feature teller Rafe Martin and asked him, what do I do to become a storyteller? And he advised, find stories you love and tell them. She's been taking that advice ever since. Storytelling is my joy, she writes, launching listeners into galaxies of imagination in the outer space of the inner mind. Human beings become wise, unquote. Megan Wells will be the keynote speaker at Northeast Storytelling Conference in Portsmouth in March. That's our program for tonight. Thanks to our tellers, our crew, and you. My name is David Prainer. Good night.